0: Hi everyone, this is Hannah and this is Amira. Welcome to the In Wellness Podcast. Today we will
1: be talking about imposter syndrome and how you can conquer the negative thoughts that make you feel like a fraud.
0: Oh goodness, this is such a big topic and I'm so glad we're bringing on to the podcast. Um, I've struggled with this through and through my life. Like there's not a point where I feel like I don't struggle with this anymore. I'm good. Um, so I yeah, i love to dive into this with you today.
1: Thank you. I mean, I think this is something that I, like you said, I'm still struggling with it. Even while like looking over this episode and getting ready to talk about it, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it's still something that's very much present in my life. So I'm excited to explore what our thoughts are around it.
0: Yeah. So, what is your definition of imposter syndrome? And what are some of the triggers you experience?
1: Honestly, the first thing that goes off in my head is just like these big alarm bells that go off and say, like, fraud, fraudulent, like, you know, you're not supposed to be here. You don't know what you're doing. Like doubting myself, my abilities, um, feeling as though any moment someone will be like, yeah, she doesn't know what she's doing Mm -hmm. and kind of like expose me to the rest of the world. And then I'll just be like left with nothing. Like, it's so dramatic (laughs) in my opinion, because it just goes from like this one thought that is like a downward spiral into feeling like I'm not like qualified enough or I'm not good enough. Um, It just really comes from like, the lack of like having a belief in yourself, like believing in yourself, your skills, mm. accomplishments. It's just a whole big ball of fraudulent nonsense. <laughs> when <you feel> like, <laughs> it. like it starts off with you feeling like a fraud. And then when you reevaluate everything, you realize how fraudulent all these thoughts are. So it's yeah. just it's a fraud.
0: <laughs> it's like the thoughts are, have been tripping us, right? Like the thoughts yeah. are fraudulent and we're OK. Like we're in a good space. Have you ever asked people who maybe were in that situation with you, like whether or not they thought you were an imposter?
1: No, because you know what? I've had anxiety for a really long time. So I always Mm -hmm. just chalked it up to like me being super anxious or overthinking. Um, And then whenever I've shared these thoughts with like friends or coworkers, the common response is, you know, stop overthinking it or no, you're fine. Um, So then it just kind of led me to being like, okay, like, I guess no one else realizes it. So it's probably not true. But then on the other hand, it was like, okay, they haven't realized it yet. So it's just like this double edged sword of like really having to like sit yourself down and going back and reminding yourself that, you know, you're good. You're meant to be here. You know what you're doing. Like, it's just a very interesting topic. Like, I think when people hear about imposter syndrome, they don't really recognize what it is until they fully explore what the details of it are like it just it's something that gets thrown around so often that I don't think a lot of people even know that they may even be having to deal with it
0: yeah and I think it's closely like you mentioned closely uh, related to performance anxiety or anxiety in general I feel like for me in times I felt like an imposter especially at work It doesn't actually matter how many validations, like verbal validations or factual validations people give me, especially like from higher ups, like managers, colleagues, um, about like my work performance or something that I'm doing well. Still, I have this sense of they're just saying that to make me feel better and that um, I'm actually not as great as they make me out to be.
1: Yeah. I mean, just to touch on like what you said with work comments and just things in general, like people will be like, oh, Amira, like you're so great at this or you're so nice and you're so that and i literally will be like huh like who are you talking about because that can't be me and then other people are like like i keep hearing these great comments about myself and i'm like really like me are you sure
0: yeah um in preparation for this topic, I felt like I needed to do a little bit more digging. I felt like my understanding of imposter syndrome is mostly due to my own experiences. And I just wanted to see like what was out there in terms of um, applying this Uh, understanding of what it is to women, especially. Um, I know a a bulk of our listeners are women and um, perhaps they are women of color as well. So to recommend an article I came across in preparing for this episode called Stop Telling Women They Have Imposter Syndrome. Um, It's by, (laughs) don't you love it? It definitely drew my attention. I'm like, I need to read this. Um, It's from the business sorry harvard business review so i'll leave the link in the episode description for those who are interested the article was so eye-opening in terms of pointing me towards a better direction because i thought i understood what imposter syndrome was until i learned that it's not just about my performance or my abilities so one of the lessons i learned was that In addressing imposter syndrome, I have to consider other factors that may contribute to me feeling like a fraudulent or less than the next person. Um, And this could actually include racism, classism and other biases. So going back to the work situation, a huge trigger for me is when I walk into a room or a physical space and there's no one there that looks like me or represent a part of my identity in the room with me that I can see right away. I instantly feel like I don't belong. And I honestly thought this used to be just like work-based work but it also happens in social settings too. I realize that it's not exclusively to any space where I think my competence is being questioned. So then I realized then my imposter syndrome isn't actually based on my ability or inability to accomplish anything. It's really about the judgment people, in my opinion, the judgment people pass on either directly or indirectly to me about who they think I am and like what they think I can and cannot accomplish. And so that's what hits me so hard because it's like, I can't, control that kind of judgment, but I can feel it.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of the times it's, you know, your skills and what you're capable of, but then when you're put in a position where you feel like other people are doubting you or that it's, they make it kind of clear that they aren't on the same page with you and you don't know what you're doing. I think then you start to question yourself and reconsider if you really are good at the things that you thought you had
0: handled what were some factors that you thought about in terms of how imposter syndrome um affects people
1: um well going back to what I said earlier like I feel like a lot of people don't even recognize it to be imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. like when I first started with it I thought it was just me being overly anxious overthinking um I tied it in with like self-esteem issues confidence issues but then after more thought I was like you know what like it's not that I struggle I mean, in the past, I've definitely struggled with like self-esteem and confidence, but I I feel like I've come a long way from those days. And now thinking about it, I'm like, okay, like if I have these things kind of on lock or that, you know, I've come so far with my progress with these things, why do I still feel this way? And then it just goes back to this whole thing of like this feeling of self-doubt, but also just other people's perception of what they think that I am. And then me, taking that in, kind of soaking it up like a sponge and then eventually just kind of like believing it or like, just like half ass agreeing with them. Like, yeah, sure. Like if you want, if that's what you want to think, cool. And just, you know, a part of me just wants to be like, you know, you don't know me, like whatever. But then there comes a point where you're just kind of like, this is just getting really difficult. And like an example I can share, like with imposter syndrome is that personally, like, I feel like every time I go to mosque, I feel very different. Like I feel like I don't fit in. I feel like people know that I don't fit in. I feel I don't I don't even know why I've like ranked it this way, but I feel like everybody else has their life together, knows exactly what's going on all the time and even outside of like, you know, prayers and all of those things, but in general like the mosque community, it's like very close knit. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like an outsider. But then when I think back and I look at it logically, it's like I've been going to the same mosque ever since I was little. Like I've been around the same people since I was little. Like I know just about everyone here. So why is it that I feel this way? But I think that like growing up because my upbringing was a little bit different and I wasn't maybe learning things the same way as everybody else. And there was definitely a bit of a language barrier because I could understand the language, but I wasn't so Mm -hmm. great with speaking it. People just like wrote me off as like being dumb. And I think that like, I took that at such a young age, like throughout Arabic school and just growing up in like a mosque community to even now, when I feel like I go there, I feel like people are like, Oh, Amira's here. Like, And it's just more of like a almost like what why is she even here like who cares like not who cares but just kind of like um who cares is like the wrong word but just kind of like why does she care like to be here you know like she doesn't like to me i feel like i don't fit in but then the perception i feel like i'm getting back is just like well if she doesn't care and if she's like you know out there doing her thing and out there meaning like not following mosque life to the t then like why is she even here and it's just been something that's like stuck with me and i think that that's kind of where it always stemmed from because like you know i wanted to be a part of the community as much as i could be um, but everyone has different experiences growing up family lifestyles were different um, and i feel like you know i didn't i didn't start at the same spot that everyone else did so i've always just been catching up and even to this day i feel like i'm catching up so i think that's where my whole thing started
0: yeah, I I could resonate with you with, to some degree about feeling left out and more of like a social sl- slash like a cultural community and a religious community. Um, it's a little bit different than what I feel at work because I feel like when I feel that my abilities aren't up to par at work, it seems like there's always something I can do to make up for it, whether it be you know, getting more training or learning more, getting more experience. But when it comes to things that I cannot change, I almost feel like there isn't really no group for me at church. I used to go to church when I was younger, and mm-hmm. I always felt like, okay, I really have to try hard because I believe in going to church and I believe in the teaching. So I want to, you know, pursue this, I want to learn more by the same time balancing that with. You know, I really don't feel like I align with these people in different ways, and for some reason I feel like I they're they're like automatically my friends or I should consider them as my kind of my group or my friends just because they go to church. Um and I, like I carried that mentality all the way through university and then it hit me because I joined this like club and so I thought like oh this is my place to be like this is it and I wanted to be friends with everyone literally everyone because oh. I thought that um building on the commonality of like growing up as Asians in Canada um and having the same faith would really you know put us on the same level in terms of understanding each other but um i would say to be honest that wasn't really the case and it was quite actually disappointing um so i definitely get you when you say that it's really difficult when we face imposter syndrome with situations where we can't change anything about ourselves to feel like we can fit in more
1: yeah, I mean, I feel like I gave it a genuine effort, and to this day, I still do try. But I've just reached a point where like even like you said with friend groups, it's like I tried so hard to like fit into like this one space. But then I just realized that like, you know, as much as we have certain things in common and in terms of like what we believe in like religiously and in our faith, our other values and morals and things like they don't align. So it's like I was forcing myself to like be this person. That I wasn't. And I think that over time, it just took a toll on me because then I just ended up being like, hey, I'm trying so hard, but then I still have like these feelings. Mm. So it just gets tiring after a while.
0: Yeah. So how do you cope with feeling like that way?
1: When I am in these situations, and I just keep going back to like the mosque example, because I think that's when I felt it the most. Because like growing up, I was just kind of like, why do I feel this way? I didn't understand what it was. Mm. And then learning about imposter syndrome and doing my own research, it all just made so much sense. Like, I'm like, this is why I feel this way. And it's, I guess it's no one's fault exactly, but it's just like a feeling that I have within me. But then also like, like you mentioned, it's the judgment that others pass and then you just kind of stick with it. And I think that now I'm at a point where if I don't need to be somewhere, like I won't go. Like, so for example, like with the way it works for our mosque, there's always something going on. And for me, it's just like, I used to dedicate a lot of my time to mosque and mosque related things. Like I was part of like a youth group and things like that. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, I don't, and I'm trying to find like the right wording for this. Cause I'm not saying that I don't care about mosque. Cause that's not true. I do, but I don't involve myself more than I have to, because I have so many other things going on in my life. And even though it is a priority, it's not my only priority because I was kind of pushed out of the bubble because of everyone's judgment, I'm kind of like, well, I've experienced all of these things and I've tried so hard. You all still have something to say about it, so I'm just gonna go and do my own thing. So now I just, I just look at the world as like it's just so much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Like when you're in it, and especially like like you mentioned being in like coming from like a church background, it's such, it's such a small bubble of people. Yeah. But then when you look at the whole world as a whole. And it's not to say that you forget about these people or you forget about your upbringing and your religion and your faith or anything like that. No, of course not. But you just realize that there's so many other things and people in the world that even though this is important to you, you can still put your time and energy elsewhere so that it doesn't take over your entire life. So I think for me, I've just really taken a step back. And even with my relationships and the friendships that I have, like there are certain friend groups or certain friend circles that like I'm like, no, you guys, you go do you, but I'm just gonna mm-hmm. like go be over there, you know with with my people with the people who align with like my values and
0: if my presence like you were alluding to if my presence at a certain situation may- takes me away from the big picture of like my faith and my belief Then I'd rather not go there and just focus on what I actually think is important whether it be building my knowledge about the faith or spending time like reading and talking to people who actually can help me grow in that way instead of trying to fit in every single little like youth group or every single um, fellowship group that I can attend because I used to be that girl i used to be like oh y'all christians okay let me be friends like let's be best friends and i'm like i'm done with that so this took like a religious turn i didn't expect it but i'm really glad that we're talking about this because um a lot of um the imposter syndrome symptoms that i talk about with my friends are more so related to like academic performance or work related performance for those for those of us, including myself, who feel like there's always room to grow, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think that's like a good direction to have in life in terms of wanting to improve ourselves, having um, structures and goals in mind, and wanting to achieve. There's nothing wrong with that. I think a good healthy balance of that get us to places in the future. However, I do think sometimes I ride between this thin line of feeling like I'm not good enough, Versus feeling like I'm too good for something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you know what I mean, like feeling like I'm too good for this. And what ends up happening for me is like I started to fail to see my shortcomings as a person mm-hmm. and I become arrogant because I become so confident in something that I think other people's opinions or perspectives on how this should be done is like less than what I have developed through the years or through time. Mm-hmm. And I hate when it happens because I feel like I lose out on so much of like a learning opportunity and even just to be more open to other people's opinions. I've always had such a hard time listening to people's ideas if I didn't agree with them 100% and I'm I'm learning to do that a little bit better. When I spend too much time feeling like I'm too good for something or if I spend too much time on the other side where I feel like I'm never good enough for anything, that's when I start to get unwell. That's when I start to, this is spinning out of control, I don't know how to help myself. So I think it's really good balance to have certain things in life where you feel really confident about, and you you feel really safe about, while exploring areas where you feel like, oh, I could still learn more, I could still grow here. Otherwise like, I think each extremes can be quite um, dangerous.
1: Going to work like personally for me, I think because I appear to look smaller, like I I literally look like a 12 year old. I don't look like an adult. Um, I think for me, the biggest struggle that I've had is really getting people to like stop and listen to what I'm saying, because a lot of the time it's overlooked. Like it's just, I have this appearance of like looking like like a little girl fresh out of high school or university or whatever, like people are shocked when like, you know, eventually they do come around and say like, if you don't mind me asking, like, how old are you? And then when I disclose my age, they're like, oh, and then the conversation will take a turn. Then I can tell that they're taking me serious because they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, like, yeah, like she's had like years of like school and, and work experience. Like she knows what she's talking about. But at a first glance, like I always feel like I almost have to like overly prove myself for them to take me serious because then I just feel like a little little girl just like skipping around town.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I have like literally the opposite issue. So i used to work in community so one day i was sitting across from a cop that i was working with and we were just having conversation and she was asking me like at the time i was like 25 she's like you're only 25 oh my god like i can't believe you're 25 so i had the literally the opposite um situation um as you described i think because i I look more mature than my age and part of that is like i didn't want to appear to be freshly graduated from university for a very long time i guess like i faked it until i made it because people thought i was much older until i told them i'm like i'm 25 and they're like what they were shook and then like their tone kind of changes me like they kind of relax a little bit
1: it's the height thing for me it's something that's like you know we can't change i feel like if i just had a couple more inches then I'd be like, I'd look pretty mainstream. Like they'd be like, oh yeah, like she's just like another employee or another like whatever. But I feel like, cause I'm so short that people, like some of my clients are taller than me. And even for them, like they probably look at me, like, are you still in high school? I've tried everything under the sun, like from like dressing, like more mature from, you know, all these different things to try and appear older. Mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, I still give off like this, like childlike <laughs> personality essence. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I guess like after people get to know me and after like conversing and stuff then they're like, oh yeah, like she does know what she's talking about. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Now we can all move forward and we can continue being <laughs> what we all came here to do. So, I mean, I don't even know. It's just something that I feel like I'll have to struggle, not struggle. Cause I mean, it's not that hard of a, It's not really a big problem, but the way I like to see it is that when everybody is 80 years old, they Mm. will appear to look 80 or older, but I will be 80 and I'll actually look like I'm 50 or 60. Hey, there you go. I'm winning.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, definitely. That's a good thing. Hey, at that age. All right. I, I do want to talk about um kind of how we recognize the symptoms of imposter syndrome within ourselves and how do we kind of help ourselves or how can other people help us?
1: So I like to break it down into categories. I'm like a very like list organized type of person. So like I like ask myself like, okay, like what led you to believe this thought? So like if I feel like someone is Uh, judging me in a certain way, or like, I'm feeling like I don't fit in, for example. And it has to do with maybe the way someone has spoken to me or something that they've said. Like, I'll reevaluate and ask myself like, okay, like, why do you feel this way? Where did it come from? And is it true? Like, is it factual or Mm -hmm. is it just someone else's opinion? And then also taking into consideration, like what we've spoken about, that sometimes people's reactions have nothing to do with you and everything to do with themselves. And then Mm -hmm. after I kind of like dissect it, Then I'm like, I'll take a deep breath and I'll be like, okay, so like, if it's not something that, you know, feels like an imminent problem, if I'm just running circles in my mind and on paper, everything is really just adding up to be like something that I can just write off, Mm -hmm. then I'll really try hard to like, you know, just take a deep breath and move forward. Sometimes in certain situations, um, because of like the anxiety, I start to panic a little bit internally. And then I just have to remind myself, like, you know, do the different strategies that I've learned over time, like, you know, do your deep breathing. Like, I think my anxiety has like worsened. Um, so I think that I'm more on top of kind of recognizing when I don't feel well, yeah. um, just so that I can avoid a snowball effect. Because if you're already anxious and then you feel like you're an imposter and then you get even more anxious because you're anxious about being an imposter, you can see how this just leads to like one whole shit show of a... <sighs> of a storm. So I think really just like breaking it down and then sometimes even like talking to like my trusted friends and family members and just like explaining the situation, why I feel a certain way Um, and then hearing what they have to say. And and I say trusted because sometimes like when you talk to friends, like certain friends are more of like, they'll tell you like, you know, it's not a big deal. Just get over it. Like you're overthinking. Like those are the friends that like, you know, I love them, but in that moment in time, like that's not what I need to hear. So I'll talk to the people that will really just be like, you know, they'll break it down with me. And, you know, they'll hear me out. They'll give me their honest opinion. And sometimes it's even to the point where they'll say like, okay, if you're you and I was the o- that other person, mm-hmm. or, you know, if you're you and I was part of this situation, this is how I would be thinking about it. So I'd get their input on it. And then after like, again, like dissecting the whole problem, then it really comes down to like, okay, like, is it like you just weigh it on a scale? Like, is this really what it is or is it something that like momentarily it felt really big but really it's just it's not a big problem.
0: I love that and I feel like we are on the same train going somewhere because later on (laughs) in this episode one of the journal prompts talks about this exactly and how you can help yourself and it's about perspective taking which is exactly what you were talking about in terms of going to that trusted person or people and have them dissect the situation with you when people say it's no big deal or like try to validate me too much i feel like they don't understand (laughs) what is actually going on and it doesn't help um so yeah thank you for bringing that up um ties it'll tie really well into the journal prompt
1: And just one more thing I want to add, like, I know that there are people who will say like, it's no big deal. Sometimes that advice is needed. Like sometimes I really do need someone to slap me like not for real imaginary and just be like, you're fine, you know, but then there are times when it like really hits me. Like, I mean, I think I'm painting it out to be like every second of my day, I'm having imposter syndrome. That's not the case. Like, I think like there are times where it's like, I know it's a problem. Like, I know I'm going to like be thinking about this all day long. And that's when I will reach out to that group of people. And then things that happen on the fly, then like, you know, I love the people that will just be like, shut up. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, it's fine. You know, like, I feel like both sets of friends help in different ways, but it's just kind of knowing
0: when you need which friend. If they know what they need in that moment to help the situation, like that's already a huge milestone. something to celebrate because i think a lot of times we get stuck i don't know for me it's like sometimes i get stuck in terms of okay i don't feel well i know there's something going on and then not knowing what it is exactly and it takes a while to get there and pinpoint like oh it's imposter syndrome or like oh it's anxiety and then i'm faced with like okay so what is actually helpful and it's like i get stuck there again and once i figure out what will help me or i become more intuitive with my body and my mind then I'm able to be like, okay, I think right now I need someone who will validate me versus someone who will dissect the situation with me. Mm -hmm. And hopefully through some of the journaling prompts, um, our listeners can kind of figure out what it it is that would be helpful to them. Um, Something I wanna mention was tied to the article I mentioned earlier. And so this um, was talking about more like workplace imposter syndrome. And so I'm gonna read this quote from the article. When employees from marginalized backgrounds try to hold themselves up to a standard that no one like them has met yet, and that they're often not expected to able to meet them, the pressure to excel can become too much to bear. The once engaged Latina woman suddenly becomes quiet in meetings. The Indian woman who was sure shot for promotion gets vague feedback about lacking leadership presence. The trans woman who always spoke up doesn't anymore because her manager makes gender sensitive remarks. The black woman whose questions once helped create better products for the organization doesn't feel safe contributing feedback after being told she's not a team player. For women of color, universal feelings of doubt become magnified by chronic battles with systemic bias and racism. And so I think going back to our point about even within a monolith, like a church community or a mosque community, those feelings of being marginalized can still happen, especially in a setting where it's like more people are involved, for example, like a workplace where it's not really a monolith group, um, it could be magnified. People can feel like they have, their presence isn't important enough and that nobody really cares about their stance. And I think um, in order to address I think imposter syndrome well is to understand where is this all coming from. You know, like I said many times in this podcast episode already, is it something we can change with, you know, encouragement, with our attitude shifts, with knowledge building? Or to something that we cannot shift (laughs) so whether it be biases other people have racism classism whatever it may be and sometimes understanding that is liberating i think at a certain point in my life i just realized that it's not about me it's not about me feeling insecure because there's nothing i should be insecure about i'm okay i'm good it's about other people's negativity (laughs) that's impacting me and Yes, facts. <laughs> and even recognizing that was so empowering because imposter syndrome infect, affects people like you and I, who I think identify as high achievers um, more, like way more, disproportionately more. If you feel safe enough to address the issue, if you're in a place where you feel like you have allies, you have people who are in your corner, ask them to help you address the issue because then it becomes more than just issue within ourselves. It's more of like a cult, like cultural piece, like workplace cultural piece or um, communication styles, even how we speak with each other. I will say that's kind of my recommendation. It's not always possible because I know that for um, minorities or like people who identify as minority, it sometimes feel really threatening to speak up when they are like the only one who's maybe a person of color or women, uh, in a room sometimes it's not just about us it's about greater issues that um we need to be aware of
1: yeah I think that's important to address as well because I think that a lot of people take things internally and think that it's always about them but it's like a bigger issue that it's so outside of their control and sure they can advocate for it and they can speak their mind on it but It really just comes down to like in the workplace, just being more aware of these things and being more inclusive and actually trying. Because I know of a lot of workplaces that, you know, will implement trainings and different things. And then, you know, people will just kind of skip through the training and say that they've done it. Mm -hmm. But then on a real day to day, you hear comments or you see certain things being done and you're just kind of like, but what happened to everything that you learned in in the training, you know? So it's definitely something that I think needs a lot of work. Um, I don't think it's something that, I mean, as far as I know, that like any company has really been able to combat and say that they, a hundred percent, have everyone on the same page. I think it's also like a generational thing too. Um, um, I think people growing up now, um, part of like I guess the min- 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 millennial, millennials, oh, <laughs> millennial, okay,
0: Gen Z's, wow. Gen Z's, Gen X. I, I, I
1: can't speak for Gen Z. What era am I in? I, I can't know. speak for Gen Z. Gen Z. I- I don't know I don't know about them but and I say this because I just feel (laughs) I'm in a completely different category and they probably look at me like oh like we're like the the oldies of like yeah
0: we're like the boomers
1: yeah (laughs) and then we're out here looking at like our parents and like their grandparents is like you know everyone's on like a different scale but I think like as time passes people are more and more open to discussing things and Mm -hmm. um you know accepting people for who they are and I think it's really and you know don't get me wrong there's a lot of people who are who I would consider to be part of like the boomers that have come around and are open and and, there are still some who are very rigid in in what they know and what they believe in and it's just it's gonna take time but you know what with Gen Z I feel like
0: they're so open-minded I'm like holy I feel like
1: (laughs) I feel old like I I thought I was with the shits and then I hear Gen Z and I'm like (laughs) Oh, like I just, I don't know. I feel like, as like, I don't know what the next, like this next generation, but the generation after them, like when I'm like 90 years old, like on my rocking chair, I'm so excited <laughs> to see what the world is going to look like because yes. these, Gen Zs, like, that's like a whole separate conversation. <laughs> but, I mean, they're out there doing something. So at least someone is.
0: <laughs> yes. And by the way, but when you're rocking in that chair, you'll be looking like you're in your 50s and 60s. Exactly. So you'll exactly. fit in with them right on
1: wait I'll be able to join them in some of their movements (laughs) who knows
0: and also just a comment on Gen Z's I've seen so many people being like really great activists on um, social media especially and these people are quite young I think some of them are like haven't even gone off to university and they have really really great thoughts and um theories behind what is happening and I feel like sometimes it's taking me a whole degree to realize one thing. And I feel like they somehow they just clicked it. They Something clicked into their minds way earlier than it did in mine. And they're just on a different trajectory. So I'm proud of them. And I'm excited to see what they do with the world. I'm scared a little bit, but I'm excited I'm too. Very, I'm very <laughs> scared.
1: But I just think that, you know what? They've also like, we we kind of paved the way for them though. Because we started mm-hmm. talking. Like I feel like our parents' generation and especially like the grandparents, they weren't as like open. They weren't as, you know, not everybody was on the same page about advocating for things. You know, there were Mm a certain select group of people that did, but everybody else was just kind of like, you know, this is my day, this is how it goes. And then I'm going to bed. And then my day will restart tomorrow. And it's like the same pattern of events. I feel like the millennials Thank God, I didn't butcher. It. I thought my tongue was going to get like twisted. Again. <laughs> the millennials were the ones that started speaking up. And like now Gen Z has something to say about everything.
0: So <laughs> I know they got they got no. wild thoughts and it's like, whoa, it's like mind blowing. Sometimes I'm like, how did you come with that? That was ingenious. Yeah. OK, so going back to imposter syndrome, have you ever uh, sought out like more clinical treatments or like methods to help out with feeling like a fraud? <laughs> even though we're not?
1: (laughs) I mean, okay, not that I've like actively sought it out, but I have done a lot of research. um, Mm -hmm. And like, I've seen that, like, you know, CBT, so cognitive behavior therapy, um, is a good way, like a good tool to use. Um, I'm still relatively new to it all. So I'm definitely not an expert. The general I guess explanation around that is that it encourages you to see yourself and the world around you in a more positive and realistic way. Uh, It helps replace negative core beliefs and it'll help you with critical self-talk to become more constructive and it'll just rationalize your mindset so that you're not so focused on the negatives it kind of ties in with mindfulness. And as many people know, I wasn't a fan of mindfulness. I thought it was like a huge waste of time, but then- make after- oil. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: exactly. Literally, I'm like, like I said, in like another episode, I think like I, like just having to sit there and listen to the birds chirp and, and I'm sitting there like looking at my watch, like, okay, like, is this done? But I think that when you actually- get to a point where you're like okay like I really need to help myself Mm -hmm. and then you seriously try it and not just try it just for the sake of saying you tried it or trying to prove a point that like it doesn't work like I did for many years um (laughs) (laughs) it'll help and then you kind of learn these strategies and things um that will just take some of that pressure off of you or like help relieve some of that pressure
0: yeah and with um cognitive behavior therapy something that um You know your therapist may ask you to do is keeping thought records and you know it it would be something along the lines of documenting how you felt in the moment Mm -hmm. and i think even with that thought record and then like kind of dissecting it it depends like who you're working with and how they try to help you with that um thought log but i think what's always so interesting is looking back if you if the person keeps doing these logs over and over again kind of like journaling but more with more um outline like guidelines and questions and they're basically repeating their answer like different answers with the same questions so it's different than journaling mm-hmm. um in, in many aspects and I think it's interesting if the person is able to see how their mindset changes especially if the imposter syndrome is with something very specific like work related performance anxiety or feeling like they don't belong in their community. Um, it would be really interesting to see, you know, with time and with CBT, how um, the thoughts the negative thoughts have changed. And I think in those times, it'll also pinpoint what exactly is helpful. um, Because those thought logs will often say like, what what happened before this uh, thought happened? What happened after this thought occurred? And then the person's able to pinpoint what helped them more easily. Because I think from day to day, we're just living. We kind of like neglect like, oh, this happened. But we we kind of fail to, oh, at least for me, uh, without a lot of mindfulness, I forget what happened leading up to that point. Um, more focused on like what happened right after kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: just to add on to that, one of my really close friends, she actually um, helped me with this whole thought process thing. So she was saying that um, with every one negative thought you have, think three positive things on top of mm. that but some, it's like a shorter exercise to do like in the moment. Um, And it's, it's easier. Like if you don't, if you do not have like a pen and paper handy, if you're not with anyone, like, you know, even if you think something that's, you might think is like on a smaller scale, like, I don't know, like my hair looks stupid. That's something I literally say to myself all the time. I'm like the queen of having hair problems and it's such a small problem, but then you can see how you can use this and okay. My hair looks stupid, but I like this, this and that, you know, cool. Then you feel a little bit better and you can use it for like smaller things, smaller scale things to like bigger things. And even like imposter syndrome, if you feel like, you know, I feel like I don't really fit in today, you can count that as a negative and then add like three positives as to like why you do belong and kind of counteract it. Mm. So I think that that's, that's been something that's really helped me and a really great tool and you can just do it in your head and it's done and you, you feel better. I mean, I was yeah. Better. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a really good suggestion. Um, and then I'll have, I'll share one more thing and it's more around like practical tips in terms of, If the feeling like a fraudulent is more related to performing uh, performance or um, more work related situation. So, for example, um, for me, public speaking is something I like to do, but I always feel so nervous doing and I feel like I'm never good enough for it. So for me, a practical tip is actually to practice in front of a mirror um sometimes if i'm feeling brave enough i'll record myself and listen to myself often like <laughs> cringing listening to my own voice yeah. um <laughs> you
1: record yourself singing you think you're so good and you play it back and you're like oh huh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes, different story than um, trying to public speak, but yeah, singing, I'm not trying <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I will say that with time, like I used to really, really hate my voice when I re- did record, but I think, um, you know, being a podcaster, I have to listen to my voice play back so many times that I'm just kind of over it. They <laughs> kind of apply oh, the same theory. public speaking, so. <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, I'm practicing public speaking. There's nobody in front of me except for you, but it, it, hopefully it'll, it'll kind of help me in the future if I ever have to. It's almost like exposure therapy, you know? Like when they say, like, like if you're scared of something, you got to make steps towards exposing yourself um, to it in, in, a, in kind of a safe steps. So for me, it's like if I don't have the opportunity to practice in front of a live audience, I'll practice in front of a mirror. I will record myself. I will, if I'm, again, brave enough, I'll practice in front of a family member or a friend um, and then like record it, rewatch it and then kind of correct where I need to or sometimes i'll watch it and be like oh that was fine like what was i worried about yeah. um so yeah it's more of a practical tip but i think cbt um along with the what three positive thought with one negative thought would be very very helpful
1: Wow, we have some great journal prompts take it away yes. hannah
0: okay so we have two journal prompts prepared for this week um the first one has two parts. So it's a bit of a longer one. Think about a time that you felt unworthy or out of place in a situation. How did this situation make you feel? And what factors outside of yourself contributed to feeling this way? Who's with you in that situation? How did they make you feel? Um, Something you've noticed from other people's reactions. Um, So yeah, anything you can think about from that particular situation, document it all and um, describe it as in as much detail as you can. So that's the first prompt. The second prompt follows the first prompt. So in reflecting what you just wrote, what would you tell your best friend if they had come to you with this challenge and this situation? How would you help them overcome feelings of inadequacy and not good enough? So this one ties back to what Mira was talking about earlier about you know going to the trusted people in your life and have them help you. Yeah, yeah so enjoy <laughs> yep
1: and next week we will be talking all about work-life balance is it really possible is we'll it find out <laughs> <laughs> the episode will be available on thursday march 3rd at 8 a.m eastern standard time and if you enjoyed today's episode please give us a review from the platform that you're listening from we will be posting the journal prompts on our instagram account at in wellness so make sure to follow us
0: see you next time bye, bye. <laughs>